98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It is noon on a Wednesday. That means it's time for all of your top sports stories in one place. It's Wolf and Down Your Lunch here to bring you the stories. As always, is Aaron Maloney. Aaron? So it's Sunday here on 98.7 FM as we're getting you ready for the Suns matchup against the Warriors tonight. Cam Johnson is listed as doubtful on the injury report, which I guess is a step in the right direction since he's been out for the past 12 games. Here's Cam discussing the importance to get back before the playoffs. It's important to get back and as soon as possible, whenever that will be, just to get that rhythm going in the playoffs. And I was in a similar situation last year with my wrists, um, but I didn't get to play any regular season games. Kind of just hop right back in the playoffs. So this year, I want to try to get a couple of those games in and get cardio right and get rhythm up. How crucial is it for the Suns to get Cam back early? Yeah, you know, there's this fine line here where if you talk about the Suns and you say, okay, they're they're set and they should go on a run, people are yeah. like, hold on, don't get too far ahead of yourselves. And then if you say, okay, well, no, it's important you're at full strength because the Clippers aren't going to be a pushover if that's who you play. People are like, oh, they'll beat the Clippers. I think it's important to have Cam Johnson back. We talk about how this team is better than it was last year. Cam Johnson's a major reason why this team is better than it was last year. If he comes back in game three of round one, he's going to kind of be chasing it through the whole playoffs, where if he's back like next week, I feel really good. Yeah, no, I, you know, honestly, every guy is different. Every player is different. And some guys need a little bit more time to get back into a rhythm. I don't know which type um, Cam Johnson would be, but I do believe that Cam, I'd like to see him get four or five games I think that is a goodly amount right there for him to get back into a groove. You got to remember, it's not like he's busting a wedge. All right. I mean, he's a shooter. I, got, I have to think that's, that's in his contract that he can't go out and bust wedges in his spare <laughs> Can time. Can I just tell you right now, you don't need, <laughs> you don't need a game, three games, five games to get back into the flow of busting a wedge. You need one, <laughs> one game and it'll come back quickly. Uh, Cam Johnson, I'd like to see him get five, six games, somewhere in there. Um, but he knows best, and I think that's what they're holding him back for. Well, and it's unfortunate when Cam went out 12 games ago, because, I mean, what was he averaging points-wise a night? I mean, he was going off. So hopefully when he returns, he's back in that rhythm. The Suns do have the chance to tie the best record in franchise history tonight at 62 wins. Wins which was held by the 1992, 1993, and 2004-2005 Suns teams. Do you think they tie it tonight? Yes, I think they do. I think they will find that extra motivation if they need it uh, because Golden State has beaten them twice this season. So I think that, as we've seen from the Suns team, if they want to win a game, they typically win that game. (laughs) And Steph's not playing either. No, Steph is not playing, and this team has a great ability to take every team for what they're worth and to look at every team and say you know what honestly it's not about you it's about us and how we play i truly believe this they take it personally yeah i think they're gonna win tonight i think they're gonna win tonight and i think it might be an easy win is it gonna be your favorite win of the year if they do it could be (laughs) okay hopefully it's just not a repeat of the panthers because that was a easy win too yeah 
Oh, you know what? I can't believe you brought that up. Honestly, Mel, you brought that up. Damien Lillard. You threw it in my face. I'm just saying, don't it was it. one game. It was the only time I've ever done that, by the way. The only time I've ever come out and affronted the athletic process because the Cardinals should have killed the Carolina Panthers at State Farm Stadium. And you're going to throw that in my face. At least you know you'll never live it down. Damian Lillard <laughs> talked about how much he loves watching Kyrie Irving play, and then he revealed his favorite NBA player yesterday on an episode of Club Shay Shay on YouTube. I'm going to see Kyrie Irving, and uh, I'm going to see Devin Booker. You like Book's game? Book, my favorite player in the NBA. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, what do you think is more likely? Devin Booker makes first-team All-NBA, or Mikel Bridges wins Defensive Player of the Year? Mikel Bridges wins Defensive Player of the Year. That's what I think is more likely. Yeah, I don't know if any of those, if either of those is going to happen. If you put Devin Booker wins Finals MVP, I would say that's more likely than yes. those other two, which is crazy. Yeah, probably Mikel Bridges winning Defensive Player of the Year because they're going to find... They're going to find other players to keep Devin Booker out first-team All-NBA. So 51% actually say Devin Booker makes first-team All-NBA. And then 49% say Mikel Bridges wins Defensive Player of the Year. So interesting. Hmm. A lot of talk has been on what the Cardinals' plans are at the wide receiver position. ESPN even predicted that the Cards' next offseason move would be them going out to get a number 2 receiver. So how does Cliff Kingsbury feel about that room? I'm excited to see. You know, Rondell Moore is the kid we drafted last year. Um, really explosive player. We didn't play him as much as we probably should have because we had so much depth at the position to start. But um, he's the guy who's really going to step up, DeAndre. And then we'll see, you know, what other additions we make. But those two guys can really play. How do you think it will all shake out? They're going to have to add at least one more guy at that position. The more we talk about it, the more I'd, I'd really like them to... To, to use that first-round pick on a receiver because it's such a receiver-heavy draft. So who would you want them to get? I like Chris Olave. I don't know if he'll still be there. Chris Olave, <laughs> wide receiver, Shut up. Ohio State. <laughs> when Olave is on the field, he's the definition of a weapon. This six-foot wide receiver who ran a 4-3-9-40 uses his fluidity to make himself a threat anywhere he plays. Olave does need to add some strength, but his skills more than make up for his slider frame. In 12 starts for the Buckeyes last season, he caught 65 passes for 936 yards while recording 13 touchdowns. If you need a spark to your offense, this Ohio State product could be the conductor. His NFL comparison, Terry McLaurin. Okay, hold on. What if I had said a different name? You knew, like I mean, that was Olave wasn't even out of the word wasn't even out of my mouth, and it was already playing. Well, do you have another one? Let's see. Let's see. Do you want to play again? Let's see. No. Now I'm scared that you know what I'm about to say. No, I don't. Okay. Let's try. Again. That that was incredible, right there, Eric Ruby, ladies and gentlemen, right, Gem, otherwise known as Gem, reads that scouting. Is that are we calling that a scouting report? Is that what we're calling that right there? It's like a draft capsule, isn't it? It's like a draft profile. Okay, kind of a draft profile, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I'd call it a scouting report. That's what a draft profile basically is. It's a scouting report of a guy. And you got Jem reading this thing like, what are you going to say about it? I'm going to read this, and what are you going to say about what I'm going to say? 
I love that, man. Every pick on draft <laughs> night's going to sound good because it's going to be like every pick we're going to have that afterwards. It's going to be like, what are you going to argue with this pick? This pick was made. Here's why this pick was made. Here's what I want. I want somebody who's actually going to come in as a first round pick and make an impact in that first year. And typically that does not happen at the wide receiver position. It does not. Um, Jamar Chase, I understand Jamar Chase made this massive impact with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yet at the same time, he is the exception to the rule. It typically does not happen. Now, an edge player, somebody like that, or a corner, now you've got my attention because a lot of times those guys can come in and make an immediate impact. Just like Marco Wilson did. I'll tell you, I, I would love it if Drake London dropped like 20 spots or whatever, 15 spots, and he was there. Drake London, wide receiver, USC. Despite USC having inconsistent quarterback play, London was one of the best receivers in college football last year. In only eight games, he had 88 receptions for 1,084 yards and seven touchdowns. He possesses great size at 6 feet 4 inches tall and 219 pounds, can play both inside and outside, is a hard worker and can make catches in traffic. Although some say he does lack elite speed and could improve as a run blocker. NFL comp, Pro Bowl wide receiver, Ed McCaffrey. See, I feel okay. good about Drake London after You know, that. so we're going to do this. Is, that, is this what you're saying right now? We're going to do this? Okay, give me a little Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, Georgia. Davis is a beefy, burly, enormous defensive tackle with surprising quickness and athleticism. He is immovable inside and can be plugged right in to become one of the league's best run stoppers right away. While he does lack agility and is not a great pass rusher, his skill set can definitely translate to success in the right scheme. NFL comp, all-pro defensive tackle, Ted Washington. <laughs> Okay, explain to me how when you when you played that they showed a, a they flashed like a one second video of Jordan Davis on NFL Network. I have no idea. Okay, I really he hit don't. the post. Yeah, but, I, I did hit the post. Really quickly, I do want to get to this one. The NFL League meetings continued yesterday as Rams head coach Sean McVay revealed what his reaction was when he learned that Tom Brady unretired. Sing it, man! Can we get this guy the hell out of this league? <laughs> That sounds like McVay. That was well played right there. Yeah, that's that's short and sweet. Can we get him out of this league? Yeah, you just won the Super Bowl. Sit down, Sean. Yeah, but he had to go through Brady to do it. Maybe that's the unfinished business. Sit down, quick. All right, that was Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Uh, all of today's top stories in one spot. Thank you, as always, Aaron. Um, Google w- it by Young Crunch. How would you Google that? <laughs> Sit down, quick. Okay. Okay. All right. Muhammad Ali will come up. WWE 2K22 is out now. Throw down with the biggest and most realistic WWE superstars and legends on PlayStation or Xbox. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com now for your chance to win a copy. Coming up, how should the Suns be approaching tonight's game against the Warriors with 62 wins on the line? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Suns Day. Brought to you by Four Peaks Wow Wheat on the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Suns Day with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, it is a Suns Day. This could be a pretty historic one, too. I mean, if Phoenix goes out there and does what, at this point, we all expect them to do every night, it's going to be 62 wins. It's going to tie a franchise record. Um, 
I believe this year's team should hold the franchise record. That's no disrespect to the teams in the past that have done this, but we talked about it a little bit earlier in the week, Wolf. Even that 92-93 team, and I wasn't here for that, but I, I can only imagine Suns fans were pretty confident in that team. But at the same time, you had to know Michael Jordan in his prime was over in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Even those seven seconds or less teams, as good as they were, you knew San Antonio was lurking around the corner. Not that you couldn't beat them, although as it turned out, that didn't really happen. But just, you know, there isn't that this year. Yeah. This year it is, okay, the Suns are the best team. And like you keep saying, they really just have to beat the Suns. <laughs> What a weird feeling that is for me to say that, Luke, honestly, right now. I feel like I am affronting the athletic process. I do. Anybody that has listened to me broadcast, you know how uncomfortable it is for me to talk about a team like the Phoenix Suns, where where you speak of them in terms of just winning. They're going to win. I, are you kidding me? We're talking about playing basketball at the highest level our species can generate. Do you know how difficult that is to be able to go out there and compete against somebody who help, somebody else who's very, very talented, just like you are, extremely talented, as a matter of fact? You can't, you can't make declarations at the professional level because everybody there is good. Even when you play Houston, they've got some guys that are really, really good basketball players. They're not experiencing success as a team, but they've got incredible athletes, incredible talent. You always have to respect your opponent at the professional level. Yet, talking about the Phoenix Suns and watching this team play, I've come to that conclusion. You know how hard that is for yeah. me to say. Yeah, It's about how the Suns play, not about anybody else and how they play. Shut up, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, are you going to end all of your sentences now with shut up, Ron? I mean, honestly, it feels good to say it, too. <laughs> Just a bit, you know, <laughs> shut up, Ron. You've um, got to be kidding me. Yet it's it's the truth. This team has got a competitive fire like I have not seen in any sport. This all they do is win. why I want the playoffs to get here at this point. I heard a conversation yesterday, actually, of... Because in this city, I think we're all sort of conditioned to um, the Suns could be up by 10 with five minutes to go in game four of the NBA Finals, and they could be leading the series three games to none. And I still think there's Suns fans, because you've waited so long for that, that would be like, ah, don't talk to me about them winning until the next five minutes roll off the clock. You know what I mean? Like There is that sort of that cautious optimism, even though they are clearly the best team in the league. I heard a conversation yesterday of, what if this team just blows through the Western Conference. I mean, that's possible. It now, is. I'm not ready to go there yet mentally, because I. I but, it, but it's very. It's probably almost more likely than them losing at some point in the Western Conference. I mean, they are 61 and 14. Um, did you see this, though? The report over the weekend that, and who knows if it's true with this guy, but that Kawhi might come back after the uh, play-in round. No, I did not see that. So who knows if it's actually true? It's just a rumor. And there's been rumors of him coming back for, what, a year now, basically? Um, but it is also possible that the Suns would have to go through the Clippers in the first round, the Warriors in the second round, and Memphis in the third round, and Brooklyn in the finals. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy in terms of opponents, but I keep coming back to what you're saying, Wolf. If the Suns play their game, they're clearly the best team. No, they are. And once again, it's interesting because we we have talked about, is this the best Suns team? Ever 
is this the best version of the Phoenix Suns we have ever seen? And, of course, everyone talks about the Charles Barkley era. Everyone talks about Planet Orange. This It's almost like this team needs its own moniker. And, and again, I've, I've always called them Planet Purple. <laughs> they are the inverse. They are the exact opposite of Planet Orange. Planet Orange was, give me the ball, and here we go. You know what? Our version of defense is, if my guy scores more than your guy, who played better defense, right? I mean, that was <laughs> yeah. There was that a whole was lot of defense. Dan Tony, man, yeah. that's who, that's who he was, and it was very, very cool. It was groundbreaking. Is a, a lot of, of fun. It was a lot of fun. It it gave him the nickname Planet Orange. Yet this team right here, this team, I think, is going to go down as the best Suns team we have ever seen. So let's call them Planet Purple because that's what they are. They go about this differently. They win games different. You want to be physical? Oh, okay. Here we go. We'll get physical. Isn't that right, JaVale McGee? Isn't that right, Jay Crowder? You want to get physical? Here we go. We got no problem with that. We'll get bloody. We'll get dirty. We'll get nasty. You want to play defense? Okay, hey, not a problem. As a matter of fact, I've had enough of you, Joel Embiid. It's time to shut you down. You need to sit down and shut up. All right? And what did they do? They locked him down. They locked him and everyone else. Yeah, and James Harden. I mean, Philadelphia has a pretty good team, and they scored 18 points. just saying. 40 points in the second half of that game. Purple is the color of a bruise. (laughs) And that is what this Suns team is all about to me. It's 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 going to be interesting because how the playoffs go down is obviously going to be how they're remembered at this point when you talk in that context. And I'm sure there are longtime Suns fans that are like, no way, that 92-93 team was better. Um, I think the way you have to have the conversation is within the context of, of the league you're in. That 92-93 team, I can say this looking back, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls were on the other side of the league. You knew to probably to win the whole thing, you were going to have to go through the Bulls. Who is that team right now on March 30th for the Phoenix Suns where you're like, okay, but can they really beat this team? Or you're wondering in the back of your mind, okay, but could they really beat this team? The only team I can come up with is Golden State if Golden State was at full strength. But Wolf, we're 75 games into the season. They've never been at full strength. I I will believe that when I see it. I know. It is so difficult. And yet at the same time, the Phoenix Suns, I really do believe this. It is about how they play, how they go about their business anymore. And I despise myself and reject myself in front of king and country for saying that because it's just ludicrous. Yet that's that's how I feel. I just I think that this year's team should have the franchise record. And in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, none of us are going to be talking about the franchise record, whether they got it or not. That's not that's not why they're playing. That's not really what any of us care about. But when we look back in three or four years and we're talking about maybe another Suns team off to a great start, no, oh yeah, who holds the franchise record? It should be this year's team. Because to me, this year's Phoenix Suns team is the most memorable Phoenix Suns team. And if they went out there and didn't do anything in the playoffs, then that would change a little bit. But I don't even think they you know have what, to win honestly, the championship to be the most most memorable Suns team. Yeah, I'm just going to say this right now, though. Um yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Win the championship, man. Win the whole Well, that thing. would make it a lot because easier. Because that'll just eliminate any drama out there. Any type of conversation or dialogue. Forget about it. There is no dispute. 
this would go down as the best Suns team ever. It would be great, too, because you have the fan base that's been waiting for over 50 years. You you know, you know, win that first championship, it erases a lot of, not completely, but it, it makes it a lot easier to deal with some of the painful losses in the past, and Robert Ory throwing Steve Nash, and all that stuff. And also, you did this year, for a good chunk of the season, have that nobody believes in us, us against the world sort of mentality, because nobody believed in them outside of this city. I mean, there's a few people nationally, so you have that perfect mix that would make for a very satisfying NBA Finals run. Now they just got to do it, but you know, tonight you can send a little bit of a message, like you said, to Golden State. Golden State's already going the wrong direction, but why not just drive that point home a little bit more? Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up, free agency or the draft? What should the Cardinals' approach be to addressing their current needs on the roster? Go through a couple of the positions and which ones are better suited through free agency or the draft. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, you sent this in uh, in your email for the uh, the pre-show prep. I feel like we got to at least address this, okay? How did you feel when you saw Brandon Staley say what Brandon Staley said? <laughs> you know, it did. Um, it was good to get confirmation that there are other people out there that are talking about two tight ends and 12 personnel. And the goodness of 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, and rundown situation. First and 10. Second and one to six. And the one thing I do know about Brandon Staley, who is the head coach, of course, for the Los Angeles Chargers, this guy is a defensive savant, is what he is. He is, like, brilliant. Think Rain Man with a lightning bolt. (laughs) So when you hear him say the team's that can play you in two tight ends and make it look like a bunch of things, that makes it really tough on you, the defense. He means it. And this is why I'm so jacked up about the Arizona Cardinals and the direction that I think they're headed. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury could be laughing to this. Hey, Cliff, how you doing, big guy? He could be listening to this and just laughing hysterically at everything I'm saying. Um... I don't know if they're going to do I think they are. I think all the indicators are pointing to a much more aggressive team, a much more base team, going back to putting Kyler Murray under center and saying, we're going to run two tight ends. And listening to Brandon Staley say the things he said at the owners' meeting yesterday, it fired me up because he's saying the exact same thing. Yeah, let me give you the uh, the the quote. I'm distracted because Booker and Chris Paul are doing something together on ESPN right yeah, now. Yeah, I see that. Um, the quote from Brandon Staley was, I really value that position. He's talking about tight end. From a defensive standpoint, the teams that can play you in two tight ends and make it look like a bunch of things, that makes it really tough on you. I think it gives you an advantage structurally. That was the quote from Brandon Staley. Which I loved. But that wasn't the killer. It, it wasn't right there. He actually started before he he said what you just read. He also said this, Basin quote, you can't have enough tight ends for me because gaps and vertical threats make you a lot more challenging to defend. 
Now, what is he talking about right there? What do you, you can't have enough tight ends because gaps and vertical threats make you a lot more challenging. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what gaps are? He's talking about gaps in terms of blocking and, and the gap scheme and in the fact that you could run the ball gaps and tight ends that can block. And then he's talking about the vertical portion of this, the the vertical. And what he means by that is play action. So he's talking about attacking the line of scrimmage, attacking the gaps, and then using the verticality of play action to throw the ball. It's challenging to a defense because the inside linebackers have got to say, oh my goodness, they're attacking the A gap. They're attacking the B gap. They're attacking, these are my gaps that they're attacking. And they're running a guy who's 6'1", 232 pounds at the line of scrimmage, and then they're using the verticality of tight ends over the middle to throw the ball down the field. It's... That's what Brandon Staley is talking about. And that's why I was so fired up when I heard it. So, sticking with that, let's go over to the uh, receiver room, though, now for the Cardinals. Also at the league meetings, this is what Cliff Kingsbury had to say about the receiver room for Arizona. Because right now you have DeAndre Hopkins, and then you got some unknowns. Uh, you've got you've got Antoine Wesley, who I know people are high on after that Dallas game. And, and I'm intrigued by Antoine Wesley. I don't know if you can count on him yet. You've got Rondale Moore, who I'm very intrigued by. But he's a rookie, and he trailed off as the season went on because he was hurt. So I don't know that you can necessarily know what you have in him just yet. So this was Cliff. I'm excited to see. You know, Rondale Moore is the kid we drafted last year. Um, really explosive player. We didn't play him as much as we probably should have because we had so much depth at the position to start. But um, he's the guy who's really going to step up. DeAndre, and then we'll see you know what other additions we make. But those two guys can really play. Because at this exact moment, they don't have any depth at wide receiver. Now, I'm sure they're going to add guys. You've got still free agency. You can make trades. Obviously, the draft in this year's draft where you <laughs> you might go eight receivers in the first round of the draft, they're going to have opportunities to add some. But right now, on March 30th, you don't have any depth. And that was a huge strength of this team at the start of last season. And you said this earlier, Wolf. The strength of this team, the way it is constructed, is supposed to be the offense. Yes. Now, they've done a lot to improve the offense over the last couple of years, but at this exact moment, you have a, a pretty big deficiency at wide receiver. Like, how many times do we have the conversation the first two months of the season of, okay, who's got the best receiver room in the NFL? Who can who can put together a better lineup than the Cardinals? And it was a struggle to find, you know, maybe Dallas, maybe Tampa were a couple of the teams that were close. Right now, the Cardinals have, like, one established receiver. Yeah, they do. And again, they're counting on Rondell Moore and believe that Rondell Moore can be that guy. It's amazing to me because if you go back and look at air yards on targets, air yards are how far does the ball go down the field as you're trying to target a wide receiver? Air yards. Yeah. Um, Rondell Moore was 1.1, 1.1 air yard down the field. Why? What does that tell you? A lot of jet sweeps, a lot of here we go, wide receiver And screens. that's fine. We're going to do that. Yeah. He, the, the it's got to be downfield, though. For Rondell Moore. And I was saying this last year. I was saying it from the beginning, the verticality. He's got to get vertical. If, in fact, and Sean Jefferson, the wide receiver coach for the Arizona Cardinals, has made this priority one of the offseason. Rondell Moore, 
running routes this offseason, running the eight route, which is the post, the seven route, which is the corner, the nine route, which is the go. Down the field, teaching him how to run these routes. He didn't get a lot of this in college. This is the pro game. He's got to learn how to do that. Run those routes, throw the ball up, and if that happens, it's all over. Because a defensive coordinator is going to say, this mother, this guy, this guy right here, man, he's running a four-two-eight. That scares a lot of defensive coordinators, and because of that, they'll respect that and never forget it. And that'll open up a lot for DeAndre Hopkins. Can we just recreate that 77-yard touchdown he had against the Vikings? Was that week two? I'm, I'm trying week to two? remember the way that looked. He was just so wide open. He was clearly a blown coverage. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was, yeah, it was week two. And that was okay. Now the Cardinals have scored 72 points in the first two games of the season and they're spreading the ball around. And this Rondale Moore kid looks like he could be a real threat downfield. <laughs> I, I, I think I jinxed Rondale Moore. I do. I honestly, right now, um, I sat there and speaking of the Carolina game, <laughs> I, I sat there and said, Rondale Moore, I, I expect Rondale Moore. To take off. I, I watched him play the first two games of the season, and I was sold. I was like, this guy? Left. Shotgun snap. Back to throw Murray in trouble. Spins out of there to his left, being chased by two Vikings, and launches it deep, wide open, near side at the 40s. Rondell Moore caught at the 30, at the 20, at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Kyler Murray, you are ridiculous. Murray Magic, 77-yard touchdown pass. 99.9% of the quarterbacks on the planet get sacked. But not only does Kyler Murray not get sacked, he throws a touchdown. To a wide-open Rondell Moore. That was like one of those moments last year. I know it was early in the season, but if you're a Cardinals fan, you're like, I can't believe I bought in last year and thought they were going to go deep. How could you not <laughs> after plays like that in a 7-0 start? It was, though. But Sean Jefferson, once again, this is job one based on earnings. Rondell Moore getting down the field being able to make an impact over the top, if if they can do this, and the reason why I'm, I'm bullish on this and think that it will work is not only is Sean Jefferson one of the best wide receiver coaches in the league, but it's also a situation where he's got an entire offseason to get it right. Rondell Moore and Coach Jefferson. I mean, the pandemic year was a mess. And, and the fact that he's going to have this entire offseason to actually master the art of running deep vertical routes is huge. Last shot to participate in the madness. Text Bucks to 620-620 and choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. That's Bucks to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. When we come back, the Suns are going for win number 62 tonight. That, of course, would tie the franchise record. So what is this game going to tell us? We're going to ask Suns broadcaster for Bally Sports, Kevin Ray, next. It's game day with K-Ray, Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Catching in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. Catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. Yeah, Suns Warriors tonight, a road game for the Suns, which um 
really doesn't mean anything because they actually win more on the road than they do at home somehow. Kevin Ray of Bally Sports is joining us right now. It is game day with K Ray. Uh, K Ray, we've inevitably been having this conversation a lot here as they have a chance to tie the franchise record for wins tonight. Of the Suns teams, of all the Suns teams you have seen, where would you rank this one? Um, number one. Yeah. Number that, one. That's hard to um, say, isn't it? I mean, okay. You know, it is. And, and it's the reason I paused. And, you know, you you obviously commend and, and respect those great teams of the past. And, and look, I'm, I'm even saying, you know, number one over the Charles Barkley-led finals team, Suns. But this team has a maniacal... That's the best word I can use, a <laughs> maniacal approach to playing the game, to playing to their standard, and to, you know, I, I mean, trying to eviscerate their opponent's hope night in and night out. And, and having covered all those previous teams, those teams didn't have that. Those teams didn't have that gear that this team does. And, and that's why I would put them at the top. Okay, who do you think is the most improved son? I'll give you four names right now. You might actually have another name. But Mikal Bridges, Cam Johnson, Campaign, DeAndre Ayton. Who do you think is the most improved of those sons? Yes. <laughs> you got me. See, great on the SATs. Once again, producing live on the air with a great question, a great producer question, and you say yes. <laughs> if you had to you pick know, you, one, Kay. You know, you, you could easily argue all four of them um, yes. and make valid points. But, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're, Pinning me in the corner here, Wolf, with your crazy special team, <laughs> Wild Eye. Then I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with Mikhail Bridges, and and I say that just because of what Mikhail is doing on both ends of the floor mm. on a nightly basis, and in particular over the last two months, watching him, you know, take his offensive game to another level. Uh, so that, that's where I would have to, to put him. Talking to Kevin Ray, uh, Kay, when you look at the Warriors, you look at tonight's opponent, um, You know, I, I didn't think that they would really care all that much about if they got the number one seed or if they were stuck at number two, especially when Chris Paul went down. That was the topic of conversation. Is, are the Warriors going to catch the Suns? Uh, but I didn't think they were going to drop like this, and they may very well drop to number four. Are they still, when you look at Golden State, do you see that team being in trouble uh, at all outside of when they would inevitably play the Suns? You know, I, I want to say, I want to say no, just because of, I mean, you, you look at their roster and, and look, uh, we, we all know uh, how important health is and health, whether people want to admit it or not, health is a factor. And Suns fans certainly know that all too well in the, in the postseason last year, but um, I want to say no, but you know, you you to a, to a very different degree. The one concern that I think I would have, if if I'm a Warriors fan, is the fact that you know the the Lakers talked all season long about oh we're going to flip the switch, you know, when this guy gets back healthy and we're going to do this, we're going to do this. 
I, I do think that there is something to be said for, you know, for, for having your, your roster, your personnel intact, having your rotation uh, as close to intact as possible those, those last two weeks of the season. And I think it is one of the, the challenges that Steve Kerr has had to deal with. I mean, yes, they're a deep team. Um, but unfortunately, that depth, you know, as you noted, Luke, has not been able to translate into wins. And you look at, like, Jordan Poole, for example. Jordan Poole's been playing out of his mind the month of March, having the best stretch of his young career. But it hasn't helped translate into wins. And, you know, one of the challenges is we look back a few months ago with Steve Kerr and his team is like, okay, you're not going to be able to play 10 guys in the postseason. So who are you keeping out? Because all 10 guys at one point or another has played really well for him. So I think that's the one thing that I would look at as as something that could create a bump in the road, a hiccup for this mm. team. But having said that, it, when they are right and when they are healthy, they are going to be a problem. Okay, what are some of the matchups that you're going to be eyeballing tonight? You know, once again, without Steph Curry, um, that seriously handcuffs the Warriors, but... When you think of individual matchups, are, are you going to be looking at anybody in particular? Well, I think you start with Clay. You know, this would be our first time, Suns fans' first time to see Clay mm-hmm. going up against the Suns since, you know, March of 2019. Um, and I'm a huge Clay Thompson fan. I said it when he got injured a second time. I said, man, you know, the, the league is better uh, when guys like Clay Thompson are playing. Um, he, he plays with just such a, a carefree, you know, joy uh, and love of the game. And, and I've just always respected that about Clay. So you start with Clay. He has been, you know, trending upward uh, in the last few games that he played. Now, he sat out the other night just based on the way that they have tried to, to you know, handle his, his health and return to play. Um, you know, Draymond. Uh, Draymond has, has struggled. I mean, he's called himself out with his poor play on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, can he return to being that that catalyst for them offensively and the stopper defensively? And then the kid that I mentioned a few moments ago, Jordan Poole has been playing out of his mind. I mean, uh, he's got more he's got more made threes in the month of March than anybody in the league, averaging about twenty five points per game. And he's put up some you know some big numbers against the Suns already this season. So, you know, the, the Suns will have to be you know on point defensively tonight, both whether it's, you know, Mikel matching up against him or just as a team trying to funnel him to, to the right areas to, to minimize the kind of damage and impact that he's been able to make. Talking to Kevin Ray, uh, Kerry, we played the clip earlier in the show. It was Damian Lillard on with Shannon Sharp talking about his favorite players in the league to watch. And he said Kyrie Irving, and he said Devin Booker. And, you know, we heard, we saw the tweet from John Morant. Was it late last week? Asking why Devin Booker's not on the MVP list. The list, by the way, that John Morant could have been asking why he wasn't on the uh, the respect we've heard from LeBron in the past. Like the, the the respect that Devin Booker has and really has had for a while. Kobe, I feel like was one of the first guys in on Devin Booker from his peers. I don't feel like I've seen a lot of players get that sort of respect from their contemporaries publicly in the NBA that that aren't like you know it's not Michael Jordan, it's not LeBron at his prime. Uh, how do you think that resonates with Devin Booker? Well, you know, it, it is the proverbial game recognizes game, and we've got a we've got a little uh, piece that we're going to highlight tonight. It came from the Team USA practices back in 2016, 
And Clay Thompson was asked following some of the practices um, with that group. And Devin Booker was part of the, the practice squad that the Team USA was going against. And Clay Thompson said, this is 2016, mind you. And Clay Thompson basically said, man, in 19, I was just trying to figure out how to, you know, how to tie my shoes, basically. And this guy's out here hooping against the game's very best. Uh, they, they saw it early on, and it's it's the way that Book conducts himself both in the game and off the floor. And, and when I say that, I mean the way he works on his craft, the way he loves to play, the way he loves to compete. And it is a no-friends league for him. You know, when, when he dunked on Damian, uh, you know, last on Russell last week in, in Minnesota, and he said, he said, you know, basically, D'Lo, I don't have any friends out here. And that's his approach when he takes the floor. And that's what those guys love and appreciate. And, and I know Book uh, definitely – you know, warms his heart, and those are the people that he wants to be acknowledged and recognized by. Yes, the MVP voters, it would be nice, but it's it's the guys, it is his peers that mean and matter the most to him. Okay, Ray, great stuff as always, man. We always okay. like talking to you. You got it, fellas. Have a good one. Okay, buddy. That's Kevin Ray joining us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. Coming up. Two of the top young quarterbacks in the game don't have extensions yet, and they are taking vastly different approaches to getting them. We'll explain next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.